0: Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Awesome, awesome. My name's Eric, one of the pastors here. So glad that you've joined us this morning. Beautiful morning to be in church this morning, isn't it? Awesome. Hey, listen, I uh, hope that you got a bulletin as you came in to worship with us. Uh, it'll have all the great details of some great fall events that are coming up. Um, we'll tell you more about those at the end of our gathering. What I would like to do is... And what i've been doing kind of in the last couple weeks i've been taking some of our college students through a little bit of an experience of just getting themselves prepared for college with just knowing how to craft their own testimony how to be able to share the gospel with people on their campus and so that was a neat experience now we're going to see the transition of some of these people onto bigger and brighter things and so i wanted to have them come forward so that i can give them a little swag bag of some stuff. So, if you're heading away to college, would you just join me right up here in the front? Um, we would love to have you up here, and um, I'll we'll do a quick introduction. Lydia, would you come and help me? Um, I'm going to need your help on this. So, um, so these little bags right here. Number one,
1: you can go ahead and be seated. This may take. Oh
0: yeah, this is going to take a minute. Sorry. Yeah, you can stand if you like. It's free flowing here, so so what you're going to get you guys and uh douglas ford if you're joining us on facebook hello um he's over at carson newman uh but i wanted to give yeah the the i think the boys get the rocket ship one. Oh, and then i need to give i need to give something more to the other ones so uh this is for your brother as well and then make sure you get that one to jake so i'll start over here with mk uh Tell us where you're going to school here and when you're leaving.
2: I am going to the University
1: of Tennessee, and I leave on Wednesday.
2: Um, I'm going to the University of Tennessee as well, and I leave on Tuesday.
0: Will you be leaving with your brother?
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: You're not going to leave him here? No. Okay. All right. So that's Zach. Where are you heading to school, young man?
1: Uh, I'm going to John Brown University in Salem Springs, Arkansas, and I leave Tuesday morning. Sweet. Sweet
0: this is Brody this is Brody
1: I'm going to Bryan College
0: in Dayton Tennessee uh, next Monday so awesome and this is Levi
4: hi um, I'm going to MTSU I am moved into my apartment and school starts the 28th
0: yes and then Jake is another person uh, that she'll have so we have about uh, like college aged folks people who are going back to school or going to school for the first time we have about nine of them And then, of course, again, Douglas, I had, Douglas Ford, I had lunch with him this last week. He's excited to restart Carson Newman as a sophomore. And so inside your bag, you guys, you've got things like a water bottle. You're going to need to hydrate, right, when you're on campus. And so we have a Sunset Hills water bottle for you. You're going to need to write things down. I know that electronic things in your hands, like a phone, is what you think. But there is things called writing. So we're giving you pens we're giving you pens Uh, we want to make sure that you get a little bit of food so we've given you a little bit of candy in there which is important and popcorn so that's that and then there's two books I bought one book was 67 doctrines that you should know it's a little booklet that just help you understand Christian basics to be able to give an answer for the faith that you have or 66 66 well they need to add one all right we'll add one Um, And then the other book in there is a guy named Andrew Murray. He's just a a classic. He's not alive. He wrote a book long ago called Humility. It's one of the best reads I've ever had in my life. And I would say that in a culture of today when everything's about self, it's all look at me, look at me. What a great testimony you guys can have as like no look at Jesus and look at Jesus what Jesus is doing in my life because you can see in the scriptures scriptures say that we want to emulate Christ and the humility of Christ is what we hope that people will see inside of you so that's that oh and one more thing one more thing yeah so I wanted to be able to just have Lydia pass these out because I want to make sure that you get your first meal okay okay so we're going to give them, as a church, their first home-cooked meal. It's a cup of noodles. Um, yeah, you get two, one for you. And you get two. So, yeah, this is also compliments of Sunset Hills. We're excited for you in this way. So this way, at, at you know, cafeterias close, you're going to be living on this, okay, for a while. So welcome to your new home-cooked meal, all right? All right, you guys. God bless you. I think we're going to have, uh, before you... A time to just pray for him now or later, Pastor. you want to do it before you preach, or I can do it now. Now, awesome. All right, Pastor Steve wants to pray for you guys. We're
2: pretty cheap around here with these ramen noodles. You know? Yeah, there you go. He's agreed to buy you a steak dinner. All right. Uh. <laughs> Actually, those are the high-end ramen noodles. Oh, they are. They so are. Yeah, they have they have do, they really. I yeah. never knew there was a difference. That's not the cheap stuff. Uh, that that's not the cheap stuff. Top stuff. Top hey, shelf. come here. up here and join hands, me, please. Heavenly Father, we know that this is a big step for these guys. You know, it's a big step for their families. as Some will be going off for the very first time. Father, we thank you that their parents have chosen to show them what being God-like is like, being involved in doing life within a church, doing life with you especially. We pray your protection upon them in a very special way. We know they're going to be challenged, and we pray that they'll rise to that, that you'll give these students the words to speak when they are being challenged, the, the, the thoughts to be established in their mind, maybe from long ago when they were in a Sunday school class or when someone shared with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it meant to them that their personality, their, 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 their testimony would be one that they're able to recall and, and gives them strength. We pray your Spirit would be with them. Father, do an incredible work through them while they're there. May their faith be, while it's going to be challenged, may it grow. May, may we see incredible things happen because they are being stretched. And they will continue to have that faith in you. Thank you for all that you're going to do. I I pray, Father, our church will also find ways to stay connected with them so that they know they are loved by their church family. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Staying with us as we continue to worship this morning. Your
5: grace is enough. Yes, your Your grace grace is enough. Lord, your Your grace grace is enough for me. Sing this with us this morning.
1: Your grace is enough.
5: Your Your grace grace. Your grace is enough. Your Your grace.
1: Back that verse up just a second there let me tell you guys something there's nothing more manly in this world than singing praises to god ladies you sounded great guys let's step it up and sing this verse like like it's meant to sing when with the ransomed in
5: glory his face i at last shall. my joy through the ages
1: to sing of His love for me. Everybody join with us on this chorus. this morning. Normally at this time, we would lead in a prayer. We are going to lead in a prayer this morning, but we're going to sing this prayer. And this song was written just to be a blessing over you. So this morning, let the song just speak to your heart. Maybe you have someone on your heart that you'd love just to come down to this altar and just pray for mind the Lord this morning and however he leads the altar is open you may be seated but we ask you just to continue in the spirit of reverence as we pray this blessing over you this morning
2: good to see you this morning. And better than that, it's good to be in this place and listen to the Spirit as He has led us in worship. I want you to think about for a moment to consider if there has ever been a time when something bad has happened in your life. Okay, now I Often we'll start with a question, and that particular question, I already know the answer to it. I tell you what, Kevin, if we just turn the lights back up, I, I, I want to see people today, okay? Because uh, I, I never know who in the crowd I really want to address the most. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am just kidding, okay? Mostly. Mostly. I know the answer to that question, but just consider it with me just for a moment. Uh, Has there ever been something bad that's happened in your life? It might have been something that was hurtful or stressful, caused a lot of distress to you or for you. Or maybe you suffered an illness where you got a diagnosis uh, you are feeling sick, and you go to the doctor, and later there's a, a, another much worse kind of diagnosis that you find about, out about. Or maybe it was a relationship that came to an end, and the pain of loss was really great. Or some other situation that came up in your life that was just hard to deal with. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us have experienced something similar Maybe, if not those particular things, but there has been a time when you have had to face some, something that was bad that happened in your life. But, after a while, as you looked back upon whatever it was that was unpleasant, that unpleasant situation, you began to see it actually turned out to be good. What you thought at the time was actually becoming a good thing, that because you had been through that tough time in your life, maybe sooner than later or later than sooner, you could back, look at, back up and look at it and say, you know, that was really a good thing. What seemed to be bad at the time really turned out to be good. Has there been a time when bad was good? And that's the title of my sermon this morning. When bad is good. Did you know that Scripture, there's actually Scripture that that describes something that we consider to be trying and painful, hurtful, troublesome, we, going through that, that it's good for us. In fact, Scripture is full of accounts where people of all kinds have had some really trying times in their life that caused much pain and suffering for that person, but then a bigger picture began to emerge... And what was meant for bad actually turned out to be good. One of the more notorious stories that proves this was what happened to Joseph. remember what his brothers did to him? Now when we were growing up, my brothers we had I have three had three brothers, and uh, we did some pretty mean things to each other. Some of you all know have heard the story that When we were really little, Randall and I, Randall's younger than me, we put our oldest brother Rick in a dryer and turned him on. He was turning flips inside the dryer. It was back in the day where you could leave the door open, and we just giggled and watched him as he flipped inside the dryer. Mom came out there and said, Boys, what's in the dryer? And we just said, Ricky. (laughs) As he was turning round and round, all of us, the other three older brothers, put our youngest brother Mike out in the snow in his underwear and told him to guess the password to come in. Of course, there was no password. We left him out there until Dad called us and said, What are y'all doing with Mike outside in his underwear? A church member had driven by our house and had called my dad and said, you got one of your sons out in the front porch standing in the snow in his underwear, his tidy-whitey, so but we never did, even though we did some pretty mean things to each other, we never did what his brothers did to him, digging a giant hole and abandoning, abandoning him to die in that hole. We never did that. But you remember what Joseph's reply was later when he saw his brothers? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What was bad actually became good. There are times when that happens, when bad becomes good, when God gets involved. If you were here last week or you tuned in to our live stream and my sermon, I referenced a verse from the writing of the book of James telling us to whom we're to go to when we need wisdom. This was a verse, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives to all who to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There are some incredible verses that, that actually go before this verse that sort of sets the stage as to why people should go to God to ask wisdom. So I, I want to go back and visit those first four verses that are before verse 5. And I want to first share a little bit of background to this book of James, just a little bit, that might help us to understand why he's writing this and the practicality of his writing and use that applies not just to the people who were his audience years ago, but to us today. The book of James is believed to be the earliest of all the books written in the New Testament, precluding the um, gospels and all the other letters that Paul wrote. It's being written to believers who we assume by being believers, already knew the basics of Christian faith. And it's believed that the author of this is one of the half-brothers to Jesus who became a believer after the resurrection, it was the same James, who would become a leader in the early church, becoming the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And James is wanting to emphasize the importance of what they had acquired... Through truth. In other words, he wants them to live out the truth. And it's the same kind of reasons that we find that are applicable today, that if you say you believe in Jesus, then live out the, your faith as a believer. The Christian way of, of, of living It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings when we gather. It's something that we do all the days of the week, all the hours of the day. It is something, it is who we are. No matter where we find ourselves in society, there should never be a difference between our beliefs and how we act while we're not here. Circumstances should not dictate how we act. And neither should people, they should not be able to dictate or society be able to dictate how we act. Challenges of life, no matter how bad or difficult they are, should also not dictate, dictate how we act. Pressure to conform should not dictate how we act our belief in jesus and his calling on our lives is the compelling reason as to why we should act the way we should and james expects faith that we have applied that we have acquired in our lives it's not just something that we have it's something that we do so let's get into this book that James writes, and he starts identifying himself. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. He tells exactly who he is. He doesn't have to spend a lot of time on this. It's basically, I'm James. People knew his identity. And then he identifies to whom he's writing, the twelve tribes, scattered among the nations, and he says, greetings. These 12 tribes, referring back to the tribes of Israel, they have been persecuted in Jerusalem and throughout Israel, and because of that, they began to leave, running from their home country because of the pain that they're enduring and the persecution for making a choice to follow Jesus. In other words, it's costing them something to follow him. It's a hard season in life. One of the reasons James mentions this is in recognition of the people because they're needing some direction, they're needing encouragement in the face of this persecution that they're experiencing. And rather than kind of kind of easing into... The conversation he gets straight to the point it would kind of be nice if he would sort of do like Paul did it's like comment on them how how they're doing well in situations but he, he just he gets in there he doesn't fool around with any soft teaching he, he goes into it and gives a greeting And then he goes into what I believe is one of the most challenging types of of lessons to learn in a life of Christianity. What do we do with pain and suffering that we encounter in this life? How do we deal with it and still show our faith in Christ? He says, here it is. The Scripture describes bad as good. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, that just doesn't seem to fit. If you're getting tested, if you're going through trials, if you're feeling a lot of pain and hurt, count it all joy. We are so familiar with this verse, aren't we? We probably could almost quote it as to what James is saying. But somewhere when we hear it again, if you just kind of stop and consider it, those two things just don't seem to go together. Trials and joy. Joy. Totally seems like an oxymoron, like two things can't be true at the same time, trials and joy. When was the last time you encountered a trial? Uh, You were met with adversity, and you counted it as an opportunity for joy. Just doesn't seem like the first response that pops into your mind. At least it doesn't mine a few weeks ago. Lynn and I were about to leave to go camping to our favorite state park. We are going to spend some time up there. That morning I'd spent getting ready, the camper ready, loading it up at the back of our home, and I had not walked out in front of the house yet. And when I did, I discovered that this large branch had fallen out of this humongous pine tree, that we have right at the corner of our driveway and this it's, this this branch was at the very top and it was too heavy and, and somehow it had survived all the storms we'd had before that but that that particular night for some reason it turned loose and came crashing down and covered the driveway the the butt end of it Got caught on the cable lines that run in front of my house so it was leaning on the cable lines and I'm looking at it studying it and when I discover this and I'll admit the thought of joy wasn't the first thing that entered my mind I didn't think to myself wow isn't this incredible this is an opportunity for joy I had no neighbors out there watching me celebrate the fact that this was now interrupting my vacation. I couldn't get the camper out. When you've had something totally unpleasant and disheartening happen, is your natural response to count it as joy? Probably not. At least it's not from me. Anything but. It's more like, ugh. Misery feels more like disgusting. Or here we go again. I can't seem to catch a break. Nothing like. I'm so glad this happened to me, so I could have some joy today. It just doesn't seem to work that. And so when we come to church, we hear this verse from James that says we have bad stuff to happen in our lives. He says it's an opportunity to count it as joy. And our natural response is much different from what James is teaching us. The Christian response should be. There's some tension there. So what I want to do is I want to break down this verse and the next couple afterwards. We're going to look back at this and begin to tear it apart and see if we can learn a lesson from it today. Count it all joy. What does that mean? It means really to consider it, weigh it up, It's an awesome word that means to literally press your mind down on it, to calculate it. When I'm going through some of my toughest trials and they seem to be calming all at once, I need to step back and calculate, weigh it out, think through it. Because I really can't come to a joyful conclusion... About trials without first considering it. So James is saying when you encounter these trials, these difficulties, these adversities, what you really should do is change the way that you think about it. Start to turn from what has been your normal way of dealing with these types of situations that are painful and aggravating and maybe defeating. There's no good in this to a way of thinking, truly, could this be, will I allow this to be an opportunity for joy? What if we began to look at all those trials differently and began to think and train our minds to think, God, what is the purpose of me going through these difficult times, knowing that trials just may have a purpose? And if I begin to see it differently, as maybe you're trying to get me to see it, quite possibly this could begin to make a big difference in my life. What was meant to be bad could become good. So he's trying to get his readers to understand that we must have a, a correct perspective on really the purpose of testing. Now, I don't want to take any away, anything away from natural emotions that you're probably going to encounter when we're tested find ourselves in trials you're going to feel it very likely you're going to feel the pain quite possibly even cause you to cry lose sleep over what you're going through but I would tell you this from my own personal experience and from watching many of you go through these kind of experiences you can truly experience joy in face of hardship and trials it is possible. So what if the defining moments were not necessarily or were not the trials and difficulties that you encounter? How, rather, the defining moment becomes how you respond to the trial. James is telling us to have joy in the midst of trials. Count it all joy. One of the reasons why maybe it's so hard for us to hear this is because he says, when he says joy, we may think in terms of joy being happiness, which it's not. Happiness is a far cry away from the subject of joy. Joy is something that is so much deeper. There's something better, there's something more than just happiness. They say in the midst of that, there's an opportunity for you to experience this deeper than happiness, this thing called joy. A biblical website that I like to go to quite often when I want to get some answers to some questions I might be struggling with is called gotquestions.org. GodQuestions.org gives the definition, this definition of joy. It says, joy is the natural reaction to the... uh, Let me insert some words here. It it goes, the natural reaction to the work of God, whether promised or fulfilled. Let me back up and insert this. Joy is the natural reaction for the believer to the work of God, whether promised or fulfilled. It is what we feel when we're at that point to where we have nothing else to do but put our ultimate trust in God and watch Him allow and do His work in us and through us. I'm pretty sure that you cannot obtain true joy unless you have Jesus in your life. I think you're stuck with the thing called happiness, which is more of an emotional response, a roller coaster ride, uh, the events affecting you day in, in and day out. But it is that that belief, that, that relationship with Christ that takes it to a whole new level? Let me expand the definition a bit. Joy is a natural reaction for those in Christ that we may obtain as we experience trust and live in the person of God and what God is doing in and through us. That's what joy is. It, we can't ha- help but have joy. It becomes a, a natural response when we consider it, when we back up and we begin to calculate it, and we begin to see God working into it, that's where the joy begins to rise up. and takes us to a different level. Now you have to understand this: Where does ultimate joy come from? Now, I mean, there's kind of the joy that we deal with. I, I, I'm having the chance to be with all four of my grandsons this afternoon. They're going to celebrate, I, I think they're celebrating our anniversary that happened last year. You know, it ought to be my birthday, but they're celebrating the anniversary. Our last week, I said, meant. So we're going to get together. Oh, and by the way, did you know that Lynn and I have a number five grandson on the way? Yeah. Emily and co are expecting their thro- third son and, um, coming in October. So we're excited about that. And when I'm with those grandsons, you know what they do? They bring me a lot of joy watching them, right? I get it. But that joy is temporary because sooner or later they're going to do some stuff that's not so joyful, right? My joy is not manufactured from within. It's not manufactured from others. It's not manufactured by my grandchildren. And and you know what's really crazy about grandsons and grandchildren? Is you get a lot more joy out of them than what you did your kids. Amen? Where does joy come from? It's really a simple answer. It comes from God. It's supernatural. Only God can give you true joy. Even in times when I don't understand how He does it, and quite honestly, there are times when I can't explain it. It's joy that comes in the person of God who moves in my time of trial, our time of trial, it's not exclusive to me, our time of trial, and we begin to see Him and maybe even the purpose of what it is that God is trying to do in me and through me. And what I have come to see in my own life is the more I experience God and lean on him the more that I can trust him in both the good times and the bad times and the more that I trust him and live in him and in his promises the more I experience contentment and peace calm and delight and joy If you've ever experienced this kind of joy, then you understand what it is that James is teaching. And like I said a moment ago, I don't have exclusive rights to this. It's available to every believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Count it all joy, my brothers. And then he says this, when you meet trials, the word when is a key word here. When I use the word when in a sentence like this, when I go swimming, I get wet. Using it that way means that there is an expectation that something is going to happen. I'm gonna get wet when I go swimming. It has happened that way every time I've ever gone swimming. There's never been a time in my life when I have gone swimming that I did not get wet. Has there been that for anybody else? Because you've been walking on water. It's the same concept that holds true when meeting trials. In this world, Christian or not, you will meet trials. He says, when you meet trials. They're there. Eric, can we start a class around here that... We'll teach our people the Christian way to avoid trials. It's impossible. We can't do that. You can't take a class in how to avoid trials. We don't offer it because it doesn't exist. If you had the opportunity, if you had the ability... To live a perfect life. Do you know what? You would still meet trials. Because we have the ultimate example of who lived a perfect life and what happened to him. He still met trials and tribulations and trouble. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. God's people are not immune to hard times. Difficulties come in everyone's life. You're probably thinking about right now, tell me something I don't know, right? Just as going swimming is going to get you wet, living a life brings trials. And when they come, it is an opportunity for us to take and begin to see it and intentionally reframe the way we think about it, this trial, so that you can count this experience, not that it's joyful in itself, but you can find joy as you experience, trust, live in the person of God and what's going on through them. That's pretty good. You're going to run into a trial this afternoon. Driving on Nolansville Road is a test, often a test of faith faith in the other person. My wife would say, test and faith in her riding while I'm driving. When trials come, happen, joy is possible because you have an opportunity to see God at work your life and then James says this kind it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds notice he doesn't pick out just a few particular types of trials he's much more inclusive than just a few remember he's talking to this audience that are who are christians and they're experiencing some really extreme types of trials like losing their homes and facing persecution at, at, at having to relocate meaning that they've lost their jobs and they're moving to another country to to start all over and I'm sure that brought on poverty that they had to deal with. and you know, There was conflict. There was conflict with the people that were around them and possibly in their own families. And there was conflict within the religion that they'd become so a part of. And, and, and it's some pretty serious stuff that's going on in their lives. But he's trying to teach them and to us, a larger community in Christianity. But all those problems that you might encounter, whatever they may be, and you know what? They don't have to be huge. They can be small ones. Whatever it is, you have an opportunity to count it as joy. I'm thinking, like. What does that look like today? Bereavement? Possibly loneliness? In today's time, certainly a softer type of persecution that exists in society and workplaces. Maybe it looks like betrayal by a friend or a family member. Could be indecision. Indecision. Just the life challenges that come up like a tree falling across your driveway. Conflict in relationships. These are all trials of various kinds that we encounter as Christians. You just might be sitting there thinking, well, I've been taking all this in, but I'm not quite convinced yet that I can find joy in those things And can I tell you that, yes, you can. You can. It's possible. Because I want to tell you, you don't have to look around too far in this room right now to find someone who's been in a tough situation and they've been able, even no matter how hard it was, to find joy in the experience may have taken a little while, but they got to that point to say the bad became good. The Apostle Paul, he wrote about this. He said, in all of our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. I mean, this is incredible because... In the midst of his affliction, he experiences joy also. He's not looking until it's all over with, as we might do. But he's saying, in the midst of, in the middle of it, he says, I am overflowing with joy for Paul. It's not a discouragement for him. Because he sees it from a different perspective. He sees it from the perspective of, this is God at work in me. And that brings him joy. He's not surprised by his sufferings. But what he really is surprised at is the fact that he finds joy in his sufferings. Remember what happened to Paul and Silas when they encountered a female slave who'd had a spirit by which she predicted the future, uh, uh, and they, they, they ran into her, and they healed her of it, and eventually the people who made money from her fortune telling, telling became annoyed and had them thrown into prison, and they were dragged before the authorities. Uh, and the order was given to, to strip them down and then flog them. And they flogged them and beat them with rods and, and then thrown into prison. They had shackles on their ankles. They're placed in the innermost cells of that particular jail because they didn't want them to escape. But even when all of this happened, the Bible says in Acts 16 that they were praying and singing hymns to God, experiencing joy. Back to James, he doesn't just end with the admission of having joy in the midst of trials as if it was the end result. He goes on to explain that there is purpose in why this is to happen. He explains it in verse 3 because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The reason why you know that you can count a joy is because you know that the testing, the trials, is going to lead to a greater purpose. And the effect of your testing of your faith is going to produce in you something called steadfastness. We don't use that word very much in our language today, But it's something that you want. It would be perfectly fine for you to go to a restaurant today and just, you know what, I, I have discovered that I want some steadfastness. You know, it's okay. It's amazing how Paul almost says the very same thing when he writes to the Romans. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that the suffering produces endurance steadfastness on James's part and endurance on Paul's part that there's an end game to the trials and suffering it's endurance suffering matters to the Christian it counts for something there's a reason for it now suffering to the non-christian is just that it's just merely suffering Human nature longs for us to have comfort and peace. We, by nature, will avoid suffering at all costs. I don't want to suffer. I don't know anybody who really wants to suffer. But for those who are in Christ, suffering, while it may be bad, has a point. It accomplishes something greater, a good: endurance. Let me quickly tell you this story. Last year, our son Brett, decided to go on a hike. It wasn't just any hike or like around here on these paved trails. Not that they're not challenging for me, but he decided to go on this hike out to California on the John Muir Trail. And on the hike, he covered a distance. This is a hike that was going to be like multiple weeks. I think he was gone from here about three weeks. Hiking on the trail about two and a half weeks. Hiked a distance of more than 240 miles. It wasn't flat terrain. He told me that it was a difference in elevation of about 80,000 feet or something like that. Up and down, up and down. And most of that was in an elevation, a height elevation of 8,000 feet. You ever been to Denver, Colorado? <sighs> I can't imagine that. Before he left, he started training. He would call me up, and I was kind of still in bed about 8.30 or so, and he'd wake me up, and i said. He said, what are you doing? Said, well, I'm raring to go. You know, kind of. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I've been out to Percy Warner Park, and we've already hiked like seven miles this morning. You ever hiked in Percy Warner Park? It's no picnic. He was out there suffering. He had to suffer. Because the suffering was building endurance for the bigger hike that he was going to take. Suffering produces endurance. The ability to keep on going when you feel like stopping. That's what got him through to completion on the John Muir Trail. He took some other guys with him. I think there were five total, and two of them couldn't finish it. He was able to do it. You know why? Because he was suffering on the front end that prepared him for what was coming next. Without suffering, there is no steadfastness. There's no endurance. There's no persecution. Now, from a worldly perspective, that's not too attractive, is it? But for the Christian... When you see it from a greater perspective, we should strive for the ultimate goal that suffering brings. And that, too, is not an end to itself, just to build endurance. Because he goes on to say, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Enduring trial after trial, difficulty after difficulty, continuing to place that faith in God, trusting Him time after time. That's what develops steadfastness, ultimately brings us into changing our character, which our character then becomes looking more like Jesus Christ. Therein is the end result. able to view trials and sufferings through the lens of becoming more more like Jesus. And when we get to that point, oh, the joy begins to fill and replace all the pain the suffering that's been done up to that point. You can't Learn this without the trials. And then finally in verse 5, which takes us back to the verse I started with, the verse from last week, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, wisdom to navigate the trials through the pain, through the suffering, with an end result that's becoming more and more like Jesus. You see why he says, if you lack wisdom, you've got a place you can go to. It's encouragement to those people who are living through suffering. So the question is today, will you begin to see trials as an opportunity for joy because you start to realize that the ultimate purpose of that is to build endurance that makes us look more like Jesus. Or, yeah, there's always a choice. Will you let the trials beat you up, put you to a place of turmoil, worry, and defeat. As believers and Christ followers, we don't have to live this way. We can count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. It's an opportunity for bad Become good. Would you pray with me? I know, Father, there are some folks right now who are in the midst of trials and heartache within the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would have taken these words. and been able to just cause them to think through them, to find hope. And maybe before they came into this place, they just were searching for it, that your word would speak to them. There's one here, Father, that's struggling. Father, I just pray that they'll turn it over to you. Maybe by just pausing right now and praying, Lord, I really am needing some joy because I'm in the midst of these struggles and I want to get to that place where I see you working in my life and turning that hard ache into something better to see the purpose of you. Maybe you want to spend some time here in this altar. Maybe you'd like for one, myself or one of our pastors, to pray with you. If you just need to respond, this invitation is for you. Maybe it's for the first time to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Maybe you've been struggling with needing to, wanting to become baptized to follow Him more closely. It could be something totally different that if God's speaking to you, yield to His Holy Spirit and be found obedient. Help us to do that, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and sing. Far away
5: in
2: the depths of my spirit
5: today rolls a melody sweeter than song. And in celestial-like strains, it unceasingly falls o'er my soul.
2: Single thing out of my sermon this morning. And I tell you what, just go to YouTube and find that song and let it start speaking to you. And let the peace, peace, sweep over your soul. Help us, Father, do that. To find peace in your presence. And all the church says.
1: A reminder in your bulletin: There's several things coming up that we just want to continue to draw your attention to because they're important. Um, Our ladies' retreat is coming up right around the corner uh, here in just a little bit, October 20th, 21st. Uh, Need you to register by September 3rd. Um, They need to make some preparations with food and accommodations. And so, if that's something you're remotely interested in, uh, please see Lynn um, or one of our ladies on our leadership team. They would love to. uh, give you some information about that Um, our students have started registering for our student fall retreat as a matter of fact we are in the single digits of spots left for guys already and this is not until October so uh, if you are interested in the fall retreat please today today see me and uh, I'll be glad to give you some information Rick's going to come to us and talk to us about our men's retreat uh yeah
4: just wanted to out there again. Uh, we've got about half the people uh, signed up that we'd like to see, and uh, just wanted to share a few things. I know uh, for myself personally, I have a really close friendship with at least 25, 30 people that's came out of uh, being at the retreat. Uh, just people that you normally would see walking, coming in and out. And uh, I can tell you that. Through three or four different uh, speakers, we've had one of the main things they've always shared is that uh, men do not have enough men friends. Uh, there's not enough fellowshipping and and we we kind of squash that there because you're going to have time. You'll be sitting around, uh, you know, off times and uh, getting to talk with people that normally you just pass running in and out, and so. Like I said, I've got a lot of good friends in here that uh, I, you know, have made at the retreat, and uh, so we we want to you know if you're high school, you know, senior, or whatever, own up kind of. That's you know, would love to have you there. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of things. There's woodworking. If you've seen the really nice pins that Steve makes, uh, I think we're going to be doing that again. Uh, we set up there, and people you. May get a chance to turn some of them, and so you get a little one on one time there with Steve, too. So, <laughs> but uh, and uh, Logan Perrone is our speaker. I, I don't know him, I read his bio. Sounds like he's a
2: really competitive
4: guy, and he'll fit right in because we've got some really competitive guys out there when it comes to cornhole That's, uh, and, and other things. So uh, and also, we, uh, you know, at nighttime, there's ping-pong and foosball and cards. And when you get past all that, if you're still up at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3, I think, when this was, you might get some
3: entertainment
4: like this. You can
5: do this yeah. if you try.
1: Rick, you told them about everything there was going to happen there. It's like, wow. Students, I'm not telling you anything. You just sign up. You sign up. It's all going to be a surprise. Here really fast. Um, Coat Drive is happening right now um, as the weather begins to turn the corner. That's something that our ladies are really proud of. They provided so many coats in the past, and I want to do even more this year. So uh, come and and join them for that. Soup of the Purpose, Monday, September 25th. all, all the best all your favorite kind of soups will be here so i hope you'll be here too a lot of great things going on this coming wednesday morning don't forget our prayer time ten thirty. 30. Uh, all these things are in the bulletin so uh, check it out hey uh if you will stand with us as close closing prayer so good to see you this morning i hope it's been good to be in the house of the lord today for you as it has for me lord we're so grateful for your plan for our life god because we live in a fallen world and because we're broken people, God, we know that that plan involves trials. And so, Lord, today as we step into those trials, Lord, let us us have just a different mindset and uh, not be, be begrudging as we encounter those things and work through them. But, Lord, realize that you're just trying to prepare us to look more like you. I love that message. Lord, in everything that we do, let us reflect your love and to all those that we come in contact with on our mission field. We love you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word PRAYER to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us